our second reading this morning, we turn to the book of Acts, chapter 10, verses 34 through 48. Let us listen with God's spirit today. Then Peter began to speak to them. I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears God and does what is right and acceptable to God. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That message spread throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism of John, baptism John announced, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses to all that he did, both in Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who were chosen by God as witnesses and who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter said, Can anyone withhold the water for baptizing these, those people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? So he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they invited him to stay for several days. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Sometimes there is nothing else to do other than to preach, to tell what you know to be true about God. This is where Peter found himself as he stood in the home of a Gentile, no less, Cornelius, who shared with him this fantastical story that corresponded, it just so happened, with his own. Dumbstruck by this confluence of events, this foremost apostle in the earliest days of the early church realized that he was in the midst of a conversion experience. Yes, true, that of the family in whose home he stood, but also, Peter realized he was in the midst of his own conversion story. For right there and then, he was learning in real time the truly expansive and unbounded and transgressive nature of the welcome and the love of God. So Peter did what he knew to do, and he told them about Jesus. Days before, this man Cornelius, a centurion, we are told, 
a devout and generous man who gave alms and prayed constantly to God, Cornelius had a vision of an angel who told him to send for a man named Simon Peter. Invite him to your home, the angel said. Cornelius said, okay. Meanwhile, Peter had stepped away for a prayer, though he was a bit hungry. So while waiting for his food in a wholly other place, he too has a vision. A sheet lowered from heaven with all manner of things to eat, many of which were forbidden as profane and unclean for a devout person such as he. So of course, at first, he refused. But then another message. What God has made clean, you must not call profane. Three times this happened. Peter refused, God insisted. Peter refused, God insisted. Peter refused, God insisted. It turns out that our stubbornness comes from God who made us. The battle of wills ended with the blanket going back up into heaven and Peter somewhat puzzled. Meanwhile, men appeared, inviting him to visit Cornelius. The, sp the spirit nudged and a still pe puzzled Peter listened. And the next day he found himself in Cornelius's living room where we encounter him this morning. The disruption of these visions to Cornelius and to Peter are pieces being put into place for a change of heart. It's striking, then, the trust that they practiced as they encountered uncertainty, but they both said, okay, yes. Both men allowed themselves to be led by God into circumstances for which the immediate outcome was unclear at best. But they knew somehow, they just knew, that the spirit must have some intention here. So it was worth it to say yes. Because they trusted that if the spirit was involved, they would end up where they needed to be. And along the way, they would not be alone. Yes, Lord, I will, with your help. Years ago, a family in the congregation I served at the time had a running joke, part joking, part serious, that every time that their elementary age daughter would ask a tough question, even touching on the transcendental, their response was, ask Pastor Sarah. <laughs> Periodically, after worship or at a social gathering on a Friday night, they'd bring me a question about pet heaven or why in church we go from Jesus' birth to his death in three months, or the more practical, where does the water come from that's in the font? Can I have the leftover bread from communion? Why do I have to give up king cake at Lent? One of the many gifts that children give to our life is this seemingly endless capacity to wonder without inhibition, to ask questions about their world and what they notice in it, trying all the while to make sense, to find their role and their place in it. I guess that's why Jesus liked having them around so much. Yet for the rest of us who adults who love them just the same, 
It's daunting. Some of these questions we feel neither ready to engage nor adequate to give an answer. I suspect, too, that the more adult we become, the less willing we are to truly wonder, the less vulnerable we seem to be admitting that there are things we simply do not know, that we want to understand, but we can't quite get there. This is particularly true, it feels, to questions of faith. Because answers to these feel at the same time the most consequential and the most personal. I think also that this is where children and their question asking is good for us. Because if we choose, we are given the opportunity to learn together. In the life of faith and in Christian community, this is what we do. We learn together. We commit to one another, adults and children, teenagers and elders, those who are sure and those who are not so sure, those who have been in these pews for a long time and those who couldn't imagine walking through these doors a month ago. We come to this life of faith with so many questions about who God is and how God matters to our life and to the life of the world. Do we matter to God? Does God take notice? How do we know that? Every year at this time, this baptism of the Lord Sunday, we hear the gospel story of John and Jesus at the Jordan. We picture the heavens opening and the dove descending, and we hear those words, this is my son, my beloved, in whom I am well pleased. And each year we are reminded, as we so often need to be, that we too are beloved, named so by God as God's own. Yes, this sacrament tells us, yes, we matter to God. Whether we've gone through these waters or not, even if we never do, God takes notice and knows us by name. Yes, Jesus says to us, grace is for you. And when we baptize the littlest infants, we are especially reminded that God's gracious yes comes first. There's absolutely nothing that we do to make ourselves worthy of it. And at the same time, remembering God's yes we risk a yes in response. This is the harder task. Because baptism is our turn to say yes, that God matters to us. That the Spirit's work in us and through us matters to the world we live in. That we can be okay with uncertainty because at the same time, we trust that God is at work no matter what. Baptism both seals upon us God's yes, and at the same time, it confirms that our yes matters for the whole of our lives and the life of the world. In those waters, we become accountable to God and to one another as that water trickles down. We do baptism then with others, just as John did at that time, 
Around the River Jordan, we hear that people flocked to him from all over to see what he was doing and to become a part of him. We can't imagine that John snuck away with Jesus somewhere for a private ceremony. No. From the beginning, Jesus' ministry was public, and it was communal. The disciples witnessed this and continued it, Peter included, at Cornelius' house, with no exception. There he baptized in front of God and everyone who wished for it. The life of faith has never been a solitary one. We need the accountability of the witnesses around us. We need each other. It's precisely why we baptize here in this space in a regular Lord's Day worship service. Why in our liturgy each time you have a very important part. You are asked this question by the elder. Do you, as members of the Church of Jesus Christ, promise to guide and nurture this beloved one by word and deed, with love and prayer, encouraging her or him or them to know and follow Christ and to be a faithful member of Christ's church? I will tell you that so far I have never been in a congregation that has said no. Of course we say yes. We make this promise each and every time to each and every infant, child, youth, adult before us. We make this promise to the baptized one and to our life together to nurture them, that we might in turn be nurtured, to teach them so that we might in turn be taught, to pray for them and to love them, so that in turn we might know the breadth and the height and the depth of God's love. We commit to showing up and to participating because that's what family does for one another. And as David has said often, we wouldn't be us without you. With all of this, we might find ourselves astounded by the regular conversion of our hearts. But we should know, a colleague once said that rightly understood baptism should come with a warning label. It can and should change us deepening our commitment to the gospel and to the world. To live actively in baptismal community asks of us to see ourselves as part of one family with all of the responsibilities that entails for receiving those hard questions and trying our best with answers, for setting aside personal agendas, for welcoming the extra noise in worship, for showing up even when it is inconvenient and unclear the outcome. In turn, it embeds within us a sense of deep belonging and a commitment that we yearn for to other people and to the world that will both break our hearts and grow it three times within the same week. Baptism is the entry into our Christian life together it was the beginning of Jesus' ministry when, still dripping and coming to terms with this added name of beloved, he was plunged into the desert for 40 days of temptation. There he was given power, greed, and exceptionalism on a silver platter, and somehow that water had to carry him through. He had to be willing to say no 
to every other offer, every other thing, every other ideology that tried to lay claim to his life, his sense of self-worth, his abilities, attempting to harness him for their own purposes. By refusing to deny the baptismal waters to those in whose house he stood, Peter kept his promise as an apostle of Jesus Christ to proclaim in word and deed the saving love of God for all. Not harnessed by even his own prior understandings of the limits of that love, Peter allowed God to continually transform him by just how much each and every one of us matters to God. Friends, we have lived the last few years through a tremendous time of having to say no. No to gathering of family and friends. No to familiar and beloved routines. No to plans made and those that we were eager to make. No to the things we loved and hated to say no to. And no to the things we had been meaning to say no to for a long time. We have learned the value of a no for our health and our balance and our relationships. Yet in the midst of this, we are having to relearn how to say yes. Remembering the commitments we made to one another over the long term that make a difference. Those things that matter most for us as individuals and our world. We have learned that our own individual acts have an impact far and wide. Our commitments to each other matter for our collective balance and health and resilience. This very practical act that we do in baptism with water that comes from the sink, that goes down on the human forehead and becomes miraculous, running down over our eyes and through our hair, the promises we make each and every time here at the font in those something amazing happens. We say to God and to one another that yes, sometimes this life of faith is uncertain and inconvenient and puzzling and difficult. Sometimes it is downright exhausting, but we are in it together. We will try our best and what we cannot do or fail to do or forget to do or have not the will to do. We trust that the spirit is involved and we will end up where we need to be, and we will not be left to get there on our own. Yes, Lord, we will with your help. <laughs>